do let us know at soft. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I'm your host, Jeff Ma. I'm a director at Softway, a business to employee solutions company that creates products and offers services that help build resilience and high performance company cultures. And I'm joined today by my good friends, some usual suspects, Mohammed Anwar, President and CEO of Softway. Hey, Mo. Hey, guys. Also, Vice President Chris Petrie. What's up, Chris? Hey, guys. And last but not least, Frank Dana. Hey, Frank. Hey, guys. <laughs> Frank's in a mood today. Each episode, we dive into one element of business or strategy, and we test our theory of love against it. And uh, gentlemen, we have a tough one today. This is one of our uh, six key pillars for our culture of love, and but it's not really something that is brought up a lot in work and business. We're talking about forgiveness, and I'm really glad I've assembled this particular group because I think amongst the four of us, we've had to practice much forgiveness along our journeys, and I think we continue to do so, right? So before Maybe. we can dive, before we can dive into this, this is going to be fun. Before we dive into this, we have icebreakers, and um, executive producer Maggie has informed me that we're doing some what she calls this or that's, this or that's. So I, I'm going to pop this open, take a look, and in no particular order, let's go. Let's start with let's start with let's leave Chris for last. Let's start with Frank. Frank, crunchy tacos or soft tacos? Soft tacos, Jeff. Crunchy tacos is so yeah, crunchy tacos is too much work. So what happens when you get a crunchy taco, right? When you when you break, like when you crunch into it the first time, you have a higher risk of the bottom breaking and then everything falling out of it. And it's honestly like more work than it has to be. Soft taco, it's simple, it 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 protects the stuff inside, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All the way through to the end of the meal. Soft tacos for life. Sounds like you need better crunchy tacos. Anyways. Mohammed. Yes. A night in watching Netflix or a night out on the town? <laughs> a night. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Frank? This is a pre. You need to be this is a pre-COVID question. What's going on? Yeah, let's imagine, let's just say COVID's COVID's eradicated. Netflix. I don't or stay out. in watching Netflix any day. I'm not a outgoing person. I don't like to go hang out or party or any of those things. So Netflix is the answer for that question for sure fair enough all right chris chocolate or vanilla vanilla <laughs> all day every day <laughs> absolutely every night i know so for for me i'm not a chocolate fan and yeah, that was a if you watch love and hip-hop you know what i just said but anyway um <laughs> vanilla is always in season always all right well, back to forgiveness, guys. So like I mentioned, and if you follow along the show, we've actually covered, we have six key pillars to our culture of love. We've covered um, many of them already. This is a very uh, difficult topic at times for some people. And I want to start by kind of just addressing kind of 
the elephant in the room really of forgiveness. We're talking about work and forgiveness. What is up with that? And I want to start with Muhammad here because why, why, where does, why are we talking about forgiveness? We're talking about business. Where does forgiveness belong here? Um, ultimately, business is run by people and humans, right? And when you're looking at decisions and how people interact with each other and our behaviors, we're all human at the end of the day. And forgiveness is a big part of humanity. It's how we have relationships that can either strengthen because of forgiveness or break down completely because of unforgiveness. And I think we'll cover, we have to cover unforgiveness, but there's definite place for forgiveness in business indirectly or directly because of the fact that no business can be run without humans. And as long as you're dealing with humans, we're going to have to talk about forgiveness in the workplace. Is there, um, I guess, for anyone, are there like statistical or very hard kind of direct lines to draw from forgiveness to business outcomes? Well, I think for me, like, I don't have clearly a book of statistics on, you know, forgiveness in the business um, setting. But what I will say is that typically the way it manifests, it turns into silos. <clears throat> it turns into team and organizational conflict where certain departments just don't talk to each other because of, you know, previous leaders who didn't get along or had unforgiveness and how they pass that along to their teams. So when you think about storytells in many businesses, marketing and sales not being able to get along because of their leaders not getting along, um, IT and literally the rest of the business having conflict because IT leaders and the rest of the business not getting along. So you have these storytells and we probably live and work in organizations that are you know, exhibiting this to this day. Um, but I think that the business outcomes that get impacted are, you know, the bureaucracy that gets created around it. Um, the inefficiency that happens because people just don't want to work together or talk to each other because they're holding on to something that either they experience between each other or someone told them that they should be mad about. So they work, will operate or work against that. <clears throat> and I think that there's that a natural tendency within organizations once there is, you know, a, I guess, an allowance for unforgiveness to where you see um, the, the leaders themselves build processes and procedures that reinforce and institutionalize that unforgiveness. You used unforgiveness as a term. I know that's something that we, it's like just like one of the top, you know, five words that come up in our conversations <laughs> yeah. um, because it's maybe, you know, listeners aren't necessarily using that word, but why is it so common? Why are we always talking about this topic? Well, I think, you know, we, I just went like my uh, macrocosm. Let's go like even more smaller than that. If you have an employee or are in a team where one person makes a mistake chances are that mistake follows them for the rest of their career or at least long enough to hurt them from getting promoted or getting a new opportunity or getting the chance to lead an initiative or an opportunity. And I think that is in the smaller scale what unforgiveness does to people. Um, it puts you in this prison that you can't get out of because everyone wants to remind you of the crime that quote unquote you committed. And so as we think about unforgiveness and why that word is so, so commonly used by us, but maybe not so much in, in, in other businesses because it's a, an odd 
sort of concept to really talk about and typically reserve for your personal relationships outside of work. But it does really, when you look at the, the things that are happening around you and the problems that your business is facing, it probably has a huge, you know, factor or plays a huge factor in all of those L's and issues. And also because it's rarely talked about, it never gets addressed. So those issues really never, never get resolved. Um, and it feels in certain situations inappropriate to talk about forgiveness because it, it dotes on this side of, oh my gosh, that's an emotional topic. And we're in business. We're all adults here. We shouldn't be talking about hurt feelings and situations that made us feel weak, et cetera, because the business at hand says that we should be strong, virile, committed, knowledgeable, you know, tough, thick skinned and all of those things. But rarely do you ever hear someone say that hurt me inside of the business world. Right. That made me feel like X. That was not a good feeling to listen to you say X, Y, Z about me or the team. Um, typically you just go into retaliation. And, and for most people, yeah. it, it, it also looks like grudges, you know? So if we we're using the term like unforgiveness that many people may not be familiar with or have, have used in the workplace, but if you have a grudge against someone or you, you walk in dreading working with someone and as a result of that, like your work husband or work wife or someone that you're close to at work, you find yourself gossiping about other people or talking about others, putting other people down that's usually that's that's usually those grudges or resentment that's what what we define as unforgiveness and it can it can pop up in the least you know expected moments where we're having a conversation with someone that we trust or that we care about in our workplace and suddenly the conversation shifts to someone that we don't like and that we we think is doing a bad job or doing the wrong thing right and and here we would look at that and say there's there, that person is harboring unforgiveness towards someone as a result of something they did or something they said or something they didn't do or say. I think, I think for me, one thing to add to that is just that I think for the, every person that's just hearing this and it sounds like this big, like, Oh, a grudge and like this big kind of thing that hangs over all of us. It to me, a lot of this is way more subtle. Like, it's just like, you know, one, maybe you just, it wasn't a great, experience working with somebody or they said or did one thing one time and it's just in the back of your mind it may not even clearly come up it's just that impression you have of someone else just based off of you, you can't even track back to what it's based off of it's just a subtle kind of uh, sense you have of someone that is also unforgiveness for me yeah. i think decision making <clears throat> like if you look at a pure business transaction or business decisions a lot of the times unforgiveness seeps, seeps in. People don't realize it, don't recognize it. For example, as a business owner, maybe I had a bad experience with a certain type of customer or certain supplier or certain employee. And every time I'm going into making another decision, because I may have had a bad experience or a bad situation from something that happened in the past, if I'm reminded of any of the situations, I might change how I make the decisions based on my past historical unforgiveness. For example, if <clears throat> I may have had an employee um, that did something and it was bad uh, for me, it hurt me or it hurt the business, and any new employee or any other employee who reminds me even slightly of that past employee's experience, I may make decisions that is 
not in favor of this new employee, regardless of whether this new employee had hurt me or done the mistake. And we see that happen over and over again in business uh, decisions is uh, past failures or past issues and results are not let go. <laughs> You're not able to let go either of yourself because, hey, I made a bad decision in the past, so I never want to do this again. And you're not looking at it rationally. You're just like, no, in the past, it didn't work, so it's not going to work now. Oh, no, I that, that person, I've tried that before. It's not going to work. And we think we're making sound business decisions, and we try to convince ourselves rationally that it didn't work in the past, so it ain't going to work again. And when you really dig deep into it, you can uncover that it's coming because of unforgiveness. Something happened in the past that you're holding on to, latching on to. And every time you're reminded of that situation, it's impacting your ability to make a decision that you should. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I see that happen with me personally. I've seen, I, I've had to catch myself from being able to make such poor decisions or, or, or make judgments um, around certain folks because of my past experiences. It has nothing to do with this new person or this new employee or this new supplier. If I just got the remnants of that remembrance that, that, that I had in the past, and that's it. I'm going to punish the new person because of the past person's experience or the hurt or the unforgiveness that I may have had. And I've seen that impact my ability, impede my ability to make better business decisions. And I, I, to be honest, didn't have self-awareness of it at all for a long period of time. Yeah, when you when you said that, Muhammad, I, I actually started, I wrote down, some people would call what you're talking about sound judgment. Like if someone made a mistake, the, the they would call it, okay, I'm making this, making this based on historical data and trends from this individual. So how do you reconcile that against like what you're saying is not allowing that to impact the decisions that you're making? Because I think a lot of people are thinking, well, if that's not a sound judgment, what would a sound judgment look like? Because I think you have to like look at the situation for its moment and time where you are in and give the individual the benefit of that individual's you know qualities and traits and the, the rationale that they're bringing to the table without right. looking at someone else's actions that may have had a historical you know, a blow up or a bad result. So you have to be able to separate those out and yep. you have to be able to look at it for what it is and and not cloud your judgment with historical things that may have happened. And I've seen a lot of leaders do that. Well, no, I, I've used a creative firm before. I don't trust designers. Uh, you know, the Just last blanket statement. I, yeah, that's it. Like, it's like I use the creative agency and they suck. So I don't trust creative agencies. I've, I've gone into pitch meetings where I feel like I'm being punished for their previous agency they hired or previous consultant they hired. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm paying the price for what happened in the past with their engagement. And I recognize that very clearly. And I've had to make our customers or clients realize, look, I understand what happened in the past was the past and it, it happened and it's unfortunate, but you got to give us a chance to come in and start with a clean slate. You can't already start us, you know, behind the starting line because of someone else's performance in the past. Like, don't don't punish me or my company for the other company's mistakes and the yeah. bad experiences you've had. I've had to, I've had to face that quite a bit. And I see 
I see a lot of business owners or leaders make this same judgment or you know poor decisions just because they think they're they're learning from their mistakes, but they're really holding on to unforgiveness. Wow. I think on the on the flip side of that, you know, talking about how, you know, that that indirect unforgiveness, I I'm I'm right now in my mind, I'm just swarmed with thoughts of just that direct unforgiveness that's not a directly apparent. We use like a lot of our, what we just said now, we've all used the word like historical or history. It really just comes down, it comes down to that history, right? Like I'm, I'm actually thinking about my wife right now because, you know, they say familiarity breeds contempt. And it's like, we've had guests over at the house who spill, spill a glass of water or something. And we're just like, Oh no, it's okay. Let's just clean it up. Whatever. If I spill a glass of water at home, you know, it's like, like, what are you doing? Are you like, are you not watching what you're like? It's just like, why is that response so different? And when you really think about it, it's that it's just unforgiveness because we're all human and we make the same mistakes. But that that simple kind of thought that, oh, like my husband should be more careful, like he, like you know someone better and you have different expectations, and that's a form of unforgiveness as well. Yep, and I, it leads me to a famous quote that familiarity breeds contempt. Right. So the more you work with someone or live with someone or, you know, build a relationship with someone, chances are that closeness, that ability to sort of let your guards down breeds this ability to find contempt or to have a disregard for things that matter to them or for, you know, the the things that you or the graces that you give to others, you don't extend to those folks. And I think that in, in corporate environments, you see that a lot where when teams, especially really close intact teams where they've been working together for a really long time, they start to develop that contempt. And a lot of times it's unseen, like it just creeps in, right? And and that is oftentimes the hardest thing to admit to. It's also the hardest thing to call out. Um, because again, you guys have been working together for so long and to say, Hey, yesterday when you went off on me, because I forgot to put a coaster underneath the cup that hurt my feelings, right? Like that's, it sounds silly when you say it, but unfortunately that's exactly what happened. Right. Um, and having the courage to share that type of emotional vulnerability with someone is scary, especially in the workplace, because we don't know how they're going to take that and respond to that. So, so let me build off that a little bit. You, you're starting mm-hmm. to talk about, I guess, we've been talking about unforgiveness and what you just started broaching as a topic was how do you get to forgiveness? So let's let's break that open. Like we've talked about all the ways this can manifest, but so how do we fix it? How do you, if we're in that team where everyone's familiar and they all have hidden contempt, how do you, how do you undo that? No, that's a... Go ahead. Go ahead, Frank. I was, was going to say, I think it starts It starts from words and then it ends in actions. And that's really how you begin to, what we call walk out forgiveness, right? Is when we're able to recognize a moment that has hurt us or that has bothered us, or we start to sense the feeling that something may be creeping up in us that is ultimately going to, to create contempt in myself. And I'm just speaking personally, even with this group of people right here, the first thing I need to do is address the issue head on and say, hey, I'm actually struggling with this. I feel this way and have a conversation about it. And there may be that moment where you actually have to use the words, you know, either can you forgive me or the other person asks for forgiveness or there's this reconciliation that, that takes place. Because if you never have a reconciliation, if you never acknowledge that there was a problem in the first place, 
then you're not ever going to be able to move past the problem because the problem is still in front of you. But once you get past that, it's, it's that walking out of the, of the solution towards forgiveness. But I think yeah. Frank, there's a, there's a preliminary step before that, that I think in a workplace it's missing, mm. which is self-awareness. So right. you'd be surprised that people don't even realize that they are holding on to unforgiveness. Yep. People don't even recognize that there's a problem, there's hurt or there's issues there. They don't understand that that's the cause for how they behave or how they interact or how they're making decisions. And so while your solution is, is definitely uh, applicable, there's a prerequisite to that which requires people to bring about self-awareness and that self-awareness is uh, can only be <clears throat> achieved through introspection, right? Being able to recognize within and looking within and understanding your emotions somewhat uh, deeper than just the surface layer like reflection and trying to understand the why behind your actions and your behaviors and uncovering that that truth and unforgiveness. That is probably the hardest challenge to get people across that realization stage. But once people realize then everything you said absolutely is, yeah. is, is applicable. So I just want to make sure we cover that. Yeah. I think, I, I think I jumped in from the perspective of a high performing team, right? Like <laughs> I've, I, I think I, I jumped right into being like with this example of this group of people, but you're right. There is that prerequisite. It is introspection and developing that understanding of who you are, how you behave, why you behave and kind of under and unpacking that. Yeah. And I think also just, getting past that introspection and starting with those words, Frank, I think what a lot of people want to do is approach approach the situation or conversation, how they feel it should be taken if they were on the receiving end. And sometimes you really have to take into account who are you talking to and how, how are they going to respond and think about how do I broach this topic without sort of causing a a breakdown when really you want to build things up and, and get to a place where you can overcome it. And so having that ability to really think about, okay, this person probably would not respond well to this, this, or this. I probably shouldn't just go out and accuse them of, you know, wrong intent or ill intent because I felt that I probably, you know, need to address it or approach it in a way that's going to help them understand that there was an impact that they created, whether they intended to or not, but I'm not here to, you know, accuse them or assume that they intended to hurt me or intended to do what they did without considering my feelings or my, you know, just considering me. And so I think that that is a huge part of reconciliation is knowing how to use your words to ensure you don't create a situation that is, you know, worsening because, you know, it feels accusatory or it feels like you are, you know, trying to attack them and all of those things that can sometimes ruin the conversation that needs to happen. I, I, I think when Muhammad was talking about introspection being the first step, I was thinking about myself and I realized that if, you know, I get a lot of help with that, actually. And I think that one thing that can go hand in hand with that introspection is also focusing on building real relationships and trust. Because if I think of any group of people, I think of the four of us, I feel very different interacting with the four of you or three of you than, you know, really any other group. And every group feels different. When you enter that space with another team, another meeting, there's a different aura. And I think that I've had a lot of help along the way because when I struggle with introspecting on my own, I know that I have a relationship with you guys. Where, I mean, we've had, we, 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 I'm not saying we don't have, we have tons of unforgiveness here, but we also <laughs> address it very directly. I and mean, we've, we've just had conversations that I think many would be shocked by, right? Like we just, we, we just kind of 
we don't feel afraid. Like I feel like the fear is different. We're not afraid of being kind of judged or bringing up a feeling that might be looked down upon or, or anything like that. And so I, I, I really thank you guys personally, actually, because I feel like you guys have helped me introspect quite a bit when I don't see it myself because you're not afraid to kind of say, hey, Jeff, I think you're holding on to something here. I think there's something yeah. here where you haven't really gotten over it. And I'll be like, well, okay, that hurts. That stings, but you could be right. And um, I appreciate that feedback. So, yeah. I mean, for me, like, I'll tell you a story. When I was 13 years old, I had a friend of mine who stole $10 from my house, right? Like walked into my room. We we're hanging out. I don't remember what we were doing, probably playing Mario Kart. And I walk out for a few minutes and my money is gone. Like there was $10 there. It's no longer there. Come to find out that he took it, right? And he came back to my house. His mom brought him back to my house. He handed me the bill and said, you know, please, please forgive me. Um, and, I, and I never really forgave him. Because I never, every time I looked at him after that, the only thing I saw was someone who was a thief. Like I, in my mind, I kept seeing that $10 bill, like hover above his head, like, like the Sims. Right. And, and it, it, it actually drove the way I interacted and engaged with him for years after that. And it never really left my mind. But when I have grown and matured and started to consider like our friendship in this group of people here, I have at one point in time held unforgiveness to each of you, but I literally don't remember what that is. Like, that I don't me. remember. I, I stole the $10, Frank. I'm sorry. Uh, Jeff, I still <laughs> don't forgive you. But I think it's interesting, though, because once you recognize the power of what real forgiveness looks like, I'm no longer driven by the pain and hurt that was caused or the pain that I felt from, from each of you or from people that I care about, because that's not what defines our relationship. And so once you have that and you're able to, like Chris, you mentioned, overcome it, mm -hmm. then that transgression, that issue that you faced no longer drives your relationship. And that is very important because if you tell someone that you forgive them or you walk through that reconciliation phase, but in the back of your mind, that thing is still driving the, the way you treat them, the way you consider them, it's, you haven't really forgiven that person in, yep. in work or otherwise. Mm -hmm. And I think the other... I guess the other interesting thing that I've heard is that forgiveness is a journey that you take, not a line that you cross, which means that it's not an overnight thing. I'm not, we're not up here saying that you're going to, you know, decide to forgive somebody and that's the, like, bam, I'm forgiven. Like, forgiven. We're back to, you know, it's, you know, square one. We can, you know, just kick off where we left off, but that's not what it is, right? Sometimes depending on how deep that hurt was or how deep that pain was or or how much introspection you have to go through. Because sometimes that person may not be the one that truly needs to be forgiven. It could be somebody from your childhood and that coworker just sort of brought open or you know cut open a, a deep-seated hurt. And that is a, a deeper type of you know, sort of forgiveness journey to take. Um, but it may end up with you going back to that person or that coworker and say, oh, by the way, when you said this, it took me all the way back to the fifth grade where people laughed at me and called me names. <laughs> and I reacted in a way that was unseemingly. And I want to apologize and let you know that like I'm working through that, right? Like having that type of conversation is something that feels super weird. <laughs> but it's one of those things where now if I were to have that conversation with you, Frank, you have a little bit of insight into me and what makes me tick. 
but also you be very careful about your words. Um, not to say that you're scared to talk to me or give me feedback or, you know, work with me, but you would just be thinking like, oh, I know that that's a sensitive subject. So I'm going to broach that conversation differently next time, or I'm going to have a, you know, a one-on-one -on -one versus a group conversation about it. Um, and you start learning how to actually work together in a, a real and true and genuine way, which to be honest is what companies really need, especially in times like today where there's genuine conversations, there's real relationships, and there's a genuine interest in seeing everyone succeed around you versus the I'm in it for myself and I'm just going to do what I need to do to make sure that my name isn't sort of ruined or my chances of succeeding are not, succeeding are not you know, paralyzed or, or ruined. I think I'd like to talk about <clears throat> forgiveness and its impact in a workplace from a leader to non-leader standpoint. So obviously we've, we've, we've given a lot of examples of uh, personal life and also how leaders may be holding on to unforgiveness and making poor decisions. But something I do want to point out is unforgiveness does exist from you know people reporting into the leaders, towards the leaders as well. And that's what really hurts the culture of the organization. And you know leaders are responsible for starting it, right? Like they're the ones who, make the decisions that start start off this cycle of unforgiveness. And then pretty soon the reporting employees also build unforgiveness towards the leaders and you get into the cyclical battle where, you know, leaders, even if they become self-aware and trying to get out of this, uh, the cyclical problem of unforgiveness, they aren't able to get out because, you know, their employees aren't able to forgive the leaders for their past mistakes or past behaviors and so forth. So to take it back to that, like something I learned in my journey here at Softway, um, you know, I'm human. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of bad decisions. I've treated people very poorly. I've, I've made really bad policies in the organization that has benefited me and hurt our employees. And when I did become self-aware and had realizations that I was leading my company from a place of unforgiveness and mistreating my employees, and team members, I began on a journey to change um, and undo the things that I had done by changing back the policies or making them better and, and trying to change my behaviors and everything that I possibly could. And, um, you know, in my journey, uh, which I still am on, um, I decided to poll our employees back in India when I was visiting once. Uh, which are over 100 employees in a town hall meeting and asked if trust had improved between myself and them. And, you know, I was quite confident in the moment in time that after all the things I had done to change myself, that I would see far more, you know, hands being raised up. But to my surprise, only two people out of 100 plus employees raised their hand saying that the trust had improved. And so I was obviously very disheartened, very affected, and I walked away from that town hall trying to understand what just happened. I thought I was making such headway and doing everything I was to try and uh, change my behaviors and how I treated employees and so forth. So a few days went by and I went back. I had a chance to address my whole company again in the India office. And I remember um, asking for forgiveness. I apologized in that company uh, meeting and I told everybody that I, I I needed to seek their forgiveness for everything that I had done, how I treated them, for all the policies that I hurt them. 
and uh, I remember myself becoming emotional and and even crying and walking away prematurely from that meeting. And uh, the few days later, again, on the last day of my trip to India, before I head back to Houston, they arranged a farewell uh, gathering for me in which they gave me a book uh, that was filled with messages uh, of encouragement and love. And the title of the book was, We Love You and We Trust You, Mo. And that day, of course, I, I was so emotional and started crying again, this time with happy tears. But it was a big, big realization for me um, and that I, I'm happy to share with any new leader or any leader that's out there is that you know, you cannot uh, proceed to build trust or get in the good books with people by changing just your actions and behaviors. We also have to do what is most important, which is to seek forgiveness and apologize for our actions and behaviors. So while we're on this topic of forgiveness, I felt like I wanted to share that story, which is a big realization for me that it didn't matter how much I changed, how much I transformed, how much I brought back policies that would benefit the people, but they were holding on to stuff. And I don't blame them. I blame only myself because I did the things that I did. And if I don't step up and apologize as a leader, I'm not gonna start the process of reaching a state of forgiveness and start to heal the culture of this organization. And I think many leaders and even non-leaders out there inside a corporation struggle with that. They struggle with just straight up taking ownership and apologizing because ego and all the other humanistic elements come in the way of us just apologizing. And I think that's a very important stage in achieving forgiveness inside of the organization. And it's as simple as just apologizing that is very hard to see, quite honestly, from leaders across uh, corporations. So that was a big learning for me. And I, I, it doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean I don't have unforgiveness. It doesn't mean I don't mistreat people. I still do. That's, that's why we're all humans. But I think what's important is recognizing that once you have the self-awareness that you may have hurt people intentionally or unintentionally, you have to be able to seek the forgiveness as well. Thank you for sharing that, Mo. I think I'm gonna to attempt to do the takeaway here. I'm gonna to try to round the corner and, and close this out um, from what I heard today. So how does this tie into love and how does it apply to a listener? Well, I'm gonna quote Chris, first of all, one of my favorite quotes he always says, unforgiveness is the biggest silent killer of organizational culture. So it's, in other words, it's, it's a very real factor. And for some reason, it's not addressed. It's a silent killer. We don't talk about this. We don't think it's a factor that, you know, we just get our head, put our heads down and get the work done. We don't consider this a factor that is impeding our, our progress. And it creates toxic cultures and, and bad decisions, right? So what's the takeaway? What do we need to do? Well, it starts with self-awareness and what kind of self-awareness, what kind of searching should you be doing and an and, and acknowledgement should you be having? It's awareness of where you cannot forgive others, it's where you have unforgiveness towards others. Understanding where that comes from is one. 
It's also understanding where you might have created unforgiveness in others, where you might have mistreated and behaved poorly. And finding those two out is a long journey that we're all still on and we can get help for sure. But ultimately your goal is to try to find ways to break that cycle because while one is being done to you and one is you doing to others, ultimately it's a cycle. They feed on each other and unforgiveness breeds more unforgiveness. And that's where those toxic cultures come from. So once you can, once you can take that big step and start that journey of uncovering those things, then you, then you use the love. You have the love to build the relationships that can remove the fear of, of discussing these things and bring them up with each other. And you have the courage to ask for forgiveness and to start repairing that. And, and as we've discussed, you know, real outcomes and business results will follow as well. And so that is um, forgiveness in a nutshell. Did I I miss anything? It's just smiles and nods. Cool. Yeah. Smiles and nods, man. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, gentlemen, I appreciate you for having this dive. Uh, It's been oddly introspective just in this moment for me. So it's been really fun. Um, can't wait to go um, misbehave with you guys a little bit more and continue forgiving each other for it. And uh, for the audience here at uh, Love is Business Strategy, we are posting new episodes every Tuesday. Thank you for coming along on this ride. If there's any business topic that you haven't heard of or you'd like us to cover some more, please do let us know at softway.com slash labs, L-A-A-B-S. And if you enjoyed this, we do appreciate a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. That does help us out. So with that, appreciate you guys. Chris, Frank, Mo. we'll talk again soon, and we'll see you all next week.